The sermon lesson today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds this, that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. God, we pray that your word would truly be a, a light to our path, a lamp unto our feet, and it would lead us to your Son, who is life. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So if you are just joining us at Resurrection, we're in the middle of a study of Jesus' life and teaching as it's recorded in the Gospel according to Matthew. And we're only five chapters in, but what we've seen up to this point is Jesus is no ordinary Person. There is something incredibly special and unique about him, and people are beginning to see that, and people are beginning to experience it. And then we hear this call from Jesus himself, a call to trust and to follow him. It is a call to discipleship. And then as, as people begin to follow them, Jesus is casting a vision for what life looks like as someone who trusts and follows him. And we've come to this section of teaching that is extended in the Gospel of Matthew, known commonly as the Sermon on the Mount. And in this, Jesus is casting a vision for human flourishing and for what it looks like to trust and follow Jesus with all that we are. What will our lives be like? What will we live for? What kind of people will we be? And so, images like last week of being salt and light of poor in spirit, of meek and merciful and pure and peacemaking. Jesus is presenting this picture of how we are called to live and who we are called to be. And this morning we're going to flesh out a different important aspect in this Sermon on the Mount of the kind of people that Jesus is calling us to be, of, of the kind of people who are truly channels of blessing to the world around them. And so here's what we're going to see this morning, that being a follower of Jesus and being a channel of God's grace and love and power means having a special relationship with the words that God has given us. So being a follower of Jesus and a channel of His blessing, of His grace and His power of love means us having a special relationship with the words that He has given us. There's a, a reason why Christians over the centuries have been called a people of the book. Because there is a collection of writings given by God called the Scriptures that is vital to our life and mission together. And so what I want to look at this morning in the short time that we have together is I want to look at Jesus' own relationship with these writings why they mattered so much to him. And then I want to consider our own relationship to these 
writings and why they should matter to us. So Jesus' relationship with the Scriptures and our relationship with the Scriptures. So first, Jesus' relationship with these Scriptures. You could sum His relationship up in two ways. Jesus loved these writings and Jesus lived these writings. And I want to look at each of these separately. First, think about Jesus' love for these writings. So if you look in verse 17 of our passage, Jesus uses this phrase called the law and the prophets to talk about these writings. And that's shorthand for the collection of writings we have in our Bibles known as the Old Testament. So there is no New Testament at this time. These are just the 39 books in Hebrew and Greek that we have in the first half. They're a collection. They are from different times spanning well over a thousand years. They are different genres, styles of writings, narrative, poetry, prophecy from different writers. Think about the different personalities at the different times with the different messages and their different contexts to different audiences. It is a beautifully diverse book. And it is also a strangely human book through and through, written by humans for humans. But the Scriptures bear a great similarity to Jesus in His humanity and in His divinity. The Scriptures are also true in their humanity, but they are also true and full in their divinity. Behind all of these different voices is one voice speaking to us. 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is breathed out by God. 1, Timothy, or 1 Peter 1, these writings were not produced by any human ingenuity, but God spoke through different people as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're talking about a book this old and a book written in such a way, it's it, sometimes a question I will get just as a pastor is how do we know that these writings haven't changed over the years? I remember in music class in elementary school, I don't know if y'all ever played this game, but we, our teacher had us play the telephone game where the kids would, would line up and the teacher would give a message to the first child. And then that child would pass it on to the next, that would pass it on to the next, that would pass it on to the next. And what would inevitably happen is the message starting with the first person, something like, my name is Jared, would be passed along. And somehow, quietly by the end, that would come out as something like, I love fried chicken. <laughs> it just... Along the way, what was originally communicated got swapped and twisted and dropped to where it was something very different. And sometimes we wonder, is, is what we have in here something similar like that? And there's, there's one scientific field of study called textual criticism that goes back and it compares different manuscripts to track changes to help us with great, great confidence to know what we have in our scriptures lines up with what was originally given. And we also have this confidence from Jesus who think about how he looked at the scriptures in verse 18. 
It says, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or a dot will pass away from the law until all it's accomplished. In other words, not, not even the smallest letter or part of the letter is going to pass away. Jesus is looking at these Old Testament scriptures and he's saying, this is my father speaking in such a way that I am very protective of and how I'm passing on. It was very personal to him. One of the ways we see Jesus' love for the Scriptures is how they came out of His life in times of difficulty. Think about a few weeks ago, we looked at Jesus' temptation uh, in the wilderness. And I want you to think about your own life and when you are pressed in difficulties, when you find yourself stretched and in really hard places, um, where do you go? What do you turn to? What do you give your attention to, your time to? We, we all flee to something in these difficult times. And what that fleeing and that refuge reveals is what we love. When life gets hard, we go to the places that we find the most comfort in. Jesus, when He is stretched and pulled and tempted and hungry in the wilderness, do you remember where He went to? He went to these Old Testament Scriptures three times in Deuteronomy. It is written, it is written, it is written. When Jesus was looking for a place of refuge and hope and strength, He went to these writings. In the Son of God, there was a love for these words that we have. But He didn't just love them, He also lived them. There were some who were thinking that Jesus' teaching is diverging away from what the Old Testament actually teaches. And Jesus is kind of, he's something new on the scene that is twisting or expanding or doing something different. And Jesus is crystal clear up front. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I haven't come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. God is so committed about this process, about what he wants to communicate to us in this. And there's two things that I want you to think about with the Scriptures of, of why they are so important. First is that they tell a story about God and His people. So, the Scriptures are giving this message of this is who God is, this is what He has done, this is what He is doing, and this is what he will do. God is creator, redeemer, father, promise keeper, shepherd, king, and savior. The scriptures tell a story. But also in line with that, the scriptures are calling us to live in light of that story. One time when Jesus was asked by someone, what's the most important commandment that was given? And Jesus answered in a very crystal clear way, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And what we see is that these are deeply interconnected. And our tendency is to really split these apart, to see the Bible either as just commands that we are called to live out, or as just stories that are disconnected from our lives. And God brings these beautifully together. And two times, think about when the Ten Commandments were given. Before the Ten Commandments are given, God says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. And this is how you are to live. 
who God is and what He is doing and how we are to live are beautifully and inseparably related together and pulled together. For us, there's, there's often a gap between our beliefs and our behavior or, or what we practice and what we preach. And sometimes that gap is very small and sometimes that gap is very wide. And, and sin is the, the word used to describe sometimes how, how wide that is. Maybe you could think of yourself participating in archery. And so you've got the bullseye that's 50 yards away. You're pulling out your arrows and you're trying with all your might and with all your attention to try to lock it in just right. And inevitably, it's, it's going to go either short or wide. Sin is this word communicating that we are falling short, that it's off the mark. But when it comes to, to Jesus and his life, um, he is not falling short at all. He is the only one who can say that I always do what pleases my Father. And this is going to be a significant part of the Gospel in that Jesus is going to live the perfect life that we could not live on our own. Jesus Himself embodies true righteousness in a way that none of us can on our own. So when Jesus says, I have come to fulfill the Scriptures, part of what He's saying is, I have come to live these out perfectly for you in a way that you could not do on your own. But even more than that, when Jesus says, I've come to fulfill these Scriptures, He's saying that all of what has been written is somehow pointing to Me. So, the Roman Empire was known for the expansive roads that it built out. 50,000 miles of roads stretching in all sorts of different places, city to city and to obscure parts and obscure regions. But there's a saying that all roads lead to where? All roads lead to Rome because that is the, the center point. Um, there's something that is very s similar about the Bible. All roads lead us to Jesus. There's one time after Jesus' resurrection where He was walking with some disciples and they weren't able to see that it was truly Him. And they were just grieving and heartbroken that their hopes had been completely shattered. They did not anticipate a crucified Messiah in any way. And so they are grieving and He's questioning them, why are you grieving? And then He does something interesting. He talks to them and he says, you're slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. On Monday mornings, uh, Randy Beck, one of our elders, is leading a men's Bible study and the topic each week is Christ in the Old Testament. And what he's doing there is he's, he's showing how all of the roads in the Old Testament lead to Jesus. And I think he's an, an excellent teacher. And this, I mean, no offense to him by this, but what would it be like to have Jesus as your Bible study leader going through the Old Testament and showing how all of these point 
to himself. That's what he was doing, trying to connect the dots. This is one of Matthew's favorite themes. All this took place, he says, to fulfill, or this was to fulfill, or so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Matthew is, is, is trying more than any of the gospel, other gospel writers to show how Jesus is what all the Bible has been pointing to. So even think about what we've seen just in these short five chapters so far. Jesus is the promised descendant of Abraham, the one who is going to bring true blessing to the nations. Jesus is the promised descendant of David to bring God's restorative reign. He's the promised Emmanuel, God with us. He is Yeshua, the promised salvation. He is the promised shepherd come to gather and lead His people. He is the true Israel, the one whom the Father says, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. He is the second Adam who has come to repair the damage the first Adam had done. And He is the promised light shining in darkness, bringing hope and healing. And we're just starting. Matthew's going to do this more and more, saying Jesus is the fulfillment of all of our hopes. Or as the Christmas hymn goes, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in the tonight. The Old Testament is miles and miles of road in which point us to Jesus who is the true story. Jesus loved the Scriptures in a deeply personal way and He lived them for us. And that brings up the question of what as His disciples, as His followers of those who trust Him and love Him and seek to be like Him, what will our relationship with the Scriptures be like? Um, this may sound like a strange analogy, but I want you to think about yourself going to the counseling office. And I've, I've, Katie and I have been to counseling a number of times just for our own relationship of how we can grow closer and communicate better and grow in our love for one another. I want you to think about going to the counselor's office and um, sitting there next to your Bible and the counselor looking at you and saying, well, tell me, talk to me about your relationship. How, how is your relationship going together? Uh, what's going well? What's struggling? And think about how you might respond. Uh, we, don't, we don't spend that much time together. Uh, if I'm honest, they're, they're pretty confusing. Um, they're kind of boring at times. Um, and there's just other things that I'd rather be doing. Uh, they're not really relevant to my life. Um, or I, there was a time when uh, I felt like we were really in love and it was exciting and every time we spent time together just felt rich. Um, and then I walked away just overflowing with love and just uh, these feelings that, um, that this was very important to me, but I just don't feel that right now. Life gets in the way, a lot of troubles happen, and we've just grown apart. Um, the call for us as followers of Jesus is to have a similar relationship with the Scriptures, and that is we're called to love them. And we're called to live them. Think about Psalm 119. A psalm that it would be great to, to go home and read this afternoon. The psalmist says, Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. When I think of your rules, I take comfort. I trust in your word. I hope in your word. Your law is my delight. How I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. 
Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in them. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I'm consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Give me life according to your word. Or Psalm 19, where it talks about God's word being sweeter than honey and to be more desired than much fine gold. God's word is described as bread for the hungry, as water for the thirsty, as rain falling on dry ground that produces life and fruit. And we don't always feel like that. I was thinking about Paul's words this week just in my own vocation where he says, preach the word in season and out of season. There's some days where I really feel it and some days where I really don't. But that doesn't change the value of God's message to us. And while we love them, we don't, uh, we don't worship them. But they are ways in which God communicates who He is to us. I had a friend this past week who was uh, out, out west and was hospitalized for just uh, a couple days for getting high altitude sickness. And what happens is you go into these mountainous regions and the higher the altitude, the less oxygen there is. And your body has a hard time adjusting to that because we were meant to thrive on a certain amount of oxygen. And so part of the healing process is going to the hospital and getting just this kind of pure oxygen that's going into our system and helping our body to recover. As, as Christians, we live in, in, a play, in an environment in which the air is very thin. And we can have a similar kind of sickness in that what we need is not what we are getting. We, we need a kind of oxygen and a kind of life to be brought into our lives and spread throughout our blood vessels and to all of our organs to help us to survive. And that's a kind of love and dependence in which we are meant to have in these scriptures. But it's not just a love that we're called to have for these writings, but we're to love the one that they point to. There is a danger of us making too much of the Bible and of kind of worshiping the Bible and missing that the Bible points to someone else. That the Bible points to, to Jesus, God's perfect word. I think about the opening of Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in many ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. We're to love the Scriptures and we are to live them. Jesus says, whoever relaxes one of these least commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Near our nation's founding, Thomas Jefferson wrote a book called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And what he did was he literally took a Bible and he took a razor and he cut out all the things that he liked about Jesus' sayings and he took them and he pasted them in a book. Um, and he called it The Life and Morals of, of Jesus. There were things that he liked about Jesus' teachings and there were other things he didn't like about the supernatural acts or being raised from the dead or Jesus' claims to be divine. And so he formed his own collection of, of what he found was good. 
And there's a danger of us when we approach these words that God has given to do something similar, to, to gravitate towards the things that we like and to cut out the things that challenge us in uncomfortable ways. But following Jesus is going to involve both of those in beautiful ways. Of following Jesus and loving the Scriptures means that we're going to be comforted and encouraged and strengthened in beautiful and surprising ways. But following Jesus and looking to the Scriptures also means that we're going to be challenged. That Jesus, as we're going to see in the weeks ahead, is going to move from preaching to meddling. <laughs> There's going to be these places in our lives where we're going to say, okay, you can like, go this far, but not farther. Like, stay out of here. But Jesus doesn't want just some of us. He wants all of us. And He is for not just some of us, but He is for all of us. That's what He died for. And that's what the Word bears testimony to. A Savior who held nothing back in His good for us. And so we have to ask the question there, why would we not trust Him? Why would we not follow Him? Why would we not take more opportunity to sit before Him and to listen and to see and to meditate and to consider and to find life and to follow Him. And Jesus says the stakes are high. He talks about being great in the kingdom of heaven, being least in the kingdom of heaven, and not entering at all into the kingdom of heaven. And I'll close with this as we love the Scriptures and live the Scriptures. We we cannot live them out in a way that Jesus did. Part of our living out the Scriptures is leaning on the One who lived them out perfectly for us. In our New Testament lesson that Beth read, it talked about a righteousness from God that's apart from the law and the prophets. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but are justified or are declared righteous by His grace as a gift because He was perfectly righteous and He shares that with us. This is the hope that we share. Jesus lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserved. And by faith in Him, we are saved. And we're called to be grounded in that, to love it, to live it, and to be channels of God's grace for the good of the world. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You that You desire connection with us so that you speak to us and not just in words but in your own beloved son and not just in him speaking to us but in him living and serving and dying for us and then in rising from the dead um, would you help us to trust you help us to follow you would your word spread through our souls like oxygen through the body and would it give us hope and encouragement and then would it help us to be channels of your goodness and grace and love and power to a world in need. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.